uh, important to me and near and dear to me is the Easter egg hunt coming up on April the 9th. Um, if you are interested in bringing candy and donating for that, you can bring it and drop it off in Artie's office. And if you are interested in maybe coming to prepare hot dogs that day, somebody likes to get behind a grill and grill some hot dogs, um, let me know. Um, it's going to be a fun day, a fun time. We always get um, quite a few kids in here. Um, look up, we got the WMU meeting coming up on the 24th, and um, we're getting close to the end of the month, so we've got breakfast coming up again on April the 2nd, and if you will um, notice the times for the Easter service, um, service starts at 7.30, and then we'll have a breakfast to follow at 8.30, and Sunday school at 9.30, and we will not have a 10.30 service that morning. Um, I don't think I have any more announcements. Oh, Terry has an announcement, and then already has it. Thursday here at 6 o'clock. Uh, there are a lot of things going on. The Baptist men are working on a lot of things. If you can come uh, to work, that would be great. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to Preacher Artie. He has a special announcement. And uh, enjoy worship service. Good morning. Well, I can't believe that I am doing this, but 12 years ago, committee got together to find somebody to serve our church, and they searched high and low for this person, but this person is pig-headed. And doesn't want to listen to anybody else. So this committee made a, a, a unanimous decision. And who it was that God wanted to serve our church. But like I said, this person is pig-headed. And it took several months for them to realize that God was calling them here to Crestview. And so when they called back and talked to the chairman of that committee, they said, I know I'm too late, but are you still talking to somebody or to anybody about this position? And the chairperson told them, no, we haven't talked to anybody since you. We were just waiting on you to realize God was calling you here. And so 12 years ago, this coming Tuesday on the 22nd, our church voted Sandra Green in as our minister of music. So if Sandra could come up here for a second. If I've not embarrassed her enough already, I'm going to embarrass her a little bit more. From one pig head to another pig head. <laughs> Did you call me a pig? <laughs> but it has been an absolute pleasure. We have been through thick and thin together over the last 12 years, and it has been an absolute pleasure to work with Sandra. And on behalf of our church, we have a small token of our appreciation. Aww. It's not much, but maybe it can get you a pay for one of your speeding tickets. <laughs> Let's give Sandra a round of applause as she's celebrating her 12th anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. 
Now, as we begin our worship time together, it is great to be in the house of the Lord. I do have uh, two special requests that we need to be mindful of. Last night, Mike and Diane Jolly were in a wreck here in Bowling Springs. Mike was taken to the hospital by ambulance. He has a strained lumbar region of his back. They currently right now are without a vehicle, but hopefully the insurance will take care of that. But pray for them. Um, Diane was really shook up last night. But, uh, so pray for Mike and Diane Jolly. Also, Pamela Hamrick, Hamrick, her father, Roy Swafford, was taken to the hospital this past week. We went to go see him on Tuesday night, and he was doing well as of Friday morning. He was doing great. He had everybody laughing. He was in rare form. But Saturday morning, about 6 o'clock, I got a text from Pamela that they had to rush him back to the ER, and they have called in palliative care for her dad, that he's not going to be around much longer. And then also, please remember to pray for my Aunt Phyllis Turner that was transferred to Vanderbilt Hospital um, for a possible kidney transplant. It has been determined that she is not a candidate for transplant and they have called palliative care also to start to help handle her pain and everything. So pray for, for them, pray for my family. And then also pray for my son Trey and, and my new daughter-in-law Megan as they begin their life together as husband and wife. And then the rest of my family that will be traveling today, going back home to Tennessee and Florida. So uh, pray for them as they travel as well. Now please join me in prayer as we begin our worship time together. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we come humbly bowing before your throne. Dear Lord, it is such a privilege to come into your house and gather together with our brothers and sisters in Christ to worship you today. Dear Lord, you have heard these special requests with Mike and Diane and and Roy and Pamela and Donald and the rest of the, the Swafford family. You've heard of my Aunt Phyllis and and my Uncle Ray, dear Lord, I just ask that you just be with each one of those. That you give them the strength, you give them the peace, and that they feel your presence right now. Dear Lord, I ask you to be with Trey and Megan as they begin their life together. May they center their household on you. Be with our family as they travel back home today. And dear Lord, be with us today as we have come together to worship. May your spirit move among your people. May he open our ears and our hearts to receive your word today. And above all, dear Lord, as your name is being glorified today, may the gospel be shared and hearts and souls be changed forever because of the power of Jesus Christ. We ask all of this in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And may you have your way with us today. Amen. Wow, what a wonderful 12 years. (laughs) I had no idea. Um, When the disciples followed Jesus, the Bible tells us that they left all that they had to follow him. So when we come to worship, a lot of times we come in carrying a lot of luggage with us. We're thinking about what happened this past week. 
we're thinking about what's going to go on this afternoon, what's going on Monday. We're thinking about our kids. We're thinking about our parents. We're thinking about our jobs, the prices, what's going on in this country. So we've come to worship. So we need to leave this luggage at home. We need to surrender our whole being, our thoughts, anything that comes out of our mouth needs to glorify our Lord and Savior. So I've asked Lisa, our pianist, and her daughter Rachel, if they will play a duet for us, and they're going to play I Surrender All. So during this time, let's just concentrate and praise our Lord and Savior. Forget everything. Leave it out. Have no cobwebs left in your brain. Just Jesus. Is it on?
Now that we are ready to worship, let us stand as we sing hymn number three, Worthy of Worship. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the only one worthy to receive glory, honor, and power. Hymn number three.
in the Bible. Do you know it talked about the spring cleaning in the Bible? Jesus walked in the temple one day, and there was a lot of things going on in the temple that shouldn't have been going on in the temple. It looked kind of like a carnival or maybe like a flea market. I don't know really what was going on. Uh, Preacher Hardy was there. <laughs> but nobody else in here was, was there. I mean, he, nobody else in here is that old. He was there, but you can talk to him about it later. <laughs> you can talk to him about it later. But no, seriously, there was a lot of crazy stuff going on in the temple. And Jesus walked in, and he didn't like what was going on. So he went through the temple, and he got, he got really mad about it. And he went through the temple, and he did some spring cleaning in the temple. I'm going to read you this is John chapter 2, verse 14 through 16. It says, In the temple courts, he found men selling cows, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at the table exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all of them from the temple area. Both sheep and cattle, he scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? So he went in and he did some spring cleaning because he didn't like what was going on in the temple. Why do you think he didn't like what was going on in the temple? What's supposed to go on in the temple? Well, the temple's like the church. What was supposed to praying, worshiping, right? That's what was supposed to be going on there. And was that going on? No. And so Jesus went through and he cleaned it out. Well, what I want to do is I want to challenge you guys to look at our lives. Maybe some things going on that we need to spring clean out of our lives. Maybe you get up on the, in the mornings and maybe you have an attitude with mommy or daddy in the morning when you get up. Or maybe you're mean to your brother and sister sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe you're brutally honest, right? Maybe. <laughs> or maybe you, you just have some things going on that God wouldn't be happy about. And maybe you need to do some spring cleaning. We're going to talk a little bit more about it when we go outside, but i tell you what we're going to do. We're going to pray, and we're going to sit around the basketball court out there a little bit today. We're going to have our lesson out there, and we're going to talk, and we're going to draw, and we're going to have fun, and we're going to enjoy this first day of spring, okay? Just bow our heads and go to the Lord. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for each one of these boys and girls that are here. Thank you for their comments and the conversations and the things they bring to our lesson. Lord, we love you, and I just pray that we, we look at our lives, and if we have bad attitudes or maybe things that going on that you wouldn't be happy about, Lord, that we clean those things out of our lives as we talk about spring cleaning. All this we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. The choir is going to sing about the whole life of Jesus, just in one little song. And this is one of those where it starts very sweetly about Jesus coming to earth, the birth of Jesus, and it goes through his life. And by the time you get to the end, 
I hope you will be ready to just praise the Lord. On Sunday mornings, they straighten up and fly right. But on Wednesday nights, a lot of times when we are rehearsing, we've got hands going up and we've got tears going down and sometimes they look like they're just dancing and it's all in a reverent way of praising the Lord. So in this song, we have sang this one enough to where you know it. We would love for you to sing with us. Worship, just worship during this song.
Thank you, choir. You know, one of the best things, it's a little bit loud up here, guys. One of the best things about Chad doing that children's sermon is being up here close enough where you can hear what they are saying, the kids, and watching Chad's reaction to some of the things that are said up here. But I have to tell you, today is a special day, not only because it's the first day of spring, and it is Peyton's birthday. But there is somebody else that's just a little bit older than Peyton whose birthday is today as well. And that's Miss Eunice back there. She is 88 years old today. And I'm going to share that because once you get to a certain age, ladies, that's something to brag about. So it's her birthday today as well. And I will tell you that Chad made the same offer to her as he made to Peyton. He told her that because it was her birthday, she could help clean the bathroom. And she said, just like Peyton, she said, no, thank you. <laughs> well, over the last several weeks, well, not the last several weeks, because this is the first time I've really got to preach this month. But in February, 
we've been talking about the Christian unity and how important it is for us to have unity among believers. In fact, Paul says that we must work diligently to maintain the unity that we have received. But today I want us to look at how should we act toward unbelievers. We've been talking about how we should react to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, that how we should act. Well, today I want to look how we should treat unbelievers or how we should act toward unbelievers. So if you will turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9-13, through 13, that's going to be our jumping off point today. Um, if you don't have your Bibles, it will be on your screen as well as in your bulletin. But if you would stand with me as I read these verses in Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9-13. through 13. And it says, I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with immoral people of this world, or with the covetous and swindlers, or with idolaters, for then you would have to go out of this world. But actually I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he should be an immoral person or covetous or idolater or reviler or drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church? But those who are outside, God judges. Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. Let's pray. Our blessed Lord Jesus, thank you for what Paul writes in this letter. How we are to hold each other accountable within the church as brothers and sisters in Christ, as one body. But also thank you for this small part of this where he tells us that he is not talking about those in the world. Bless the reading of your word. Speak through me today. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, if we, as believers in Christ, should strive to maintain Christian unity, holding each other accountable, and loving each other, then how should we treat unbelievers? Well, first off, and this is where many people, many Christians, this is where we fall flat on our face. And this is where churches have an issue. Is the first thing that we must remember and the first thing that we must do is we must first see those who, for who they are. They are lost. They are not believers in Jesus Christ. They are not children of God. They are lost. Look at what Paul says here in verse 10 again. I did not at all mean the immoral people of this world or with the covetousness or the covetous, the swindlers, with idolaters, for then you would have to go out of the world. Listen. The other day, I think I shared this Wednesday night, I was at the mall and I met this, this gentleman 
He is the father of, of a man that's been visiting our church. I got to talk to him a little bit. And he said, hey, I want you to know that a year ago, I prayed to accept Jesus Christ and invited Jesus into my life. And he says, I have not touched a drop of alcohol since then. He says, I was a drunk. If you saw me, I had a beer in my hand. I drank for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And he says, I have not wanted it at all since Jesus changed me. And he says, I've got a friend that I used to go out drinking with. And I've asked him to come to church with me. And he says, maybe if I ever get sober, I will come. I looked at the man. I said, that's like taking a bath before you take a shower. We have to remember that we don't have to get cleaned up to come to God. Because Jesus meets me, us where we are. He met me where I was. He met every single one of you where you were. We don't have to clean ourselves up. That's not our job. We come to Jesus and Jesus starts working on us and the Holy Spirit cleans us up. It's not, we don't clean up ourselves. So we have to realize to hold an unbeliever to the same standards as a believer is foolish. It is foolish. Because it can't be done. In fact, in Acts, you know, where we're studying in chapter 15, they have a council because there have been false teaching going on about salvation where they were telling the Gentile Christians, those that have come to know God, Christ, that were Gentiles, that they weren't truly saved because they did not follow the, the law of Moses and they had not been circumcised. And there were people that were teaching them that they had to be circumcised first to be a Christian. In other words, Jesus was not enough. And so when they met the council of Jerusalem, all the apostles and all the disciples there at the church of Jerusalem, they met about this. And Peter was the first one to speak. And he says, why in the world are we going to burden them with a yoke that our forefathers couldn't carry and we've not been able to carry either? Talking about the law. Church, that's what we do with unbelievers, as we try to put on them expectations that were not meant for them. It is foolish for us to do that. Because without Jesus, we couldn't keep them either. So it is foolish. And then the second thing, it is also impossible for, them, for unbelievers to live up to God's standards. Look at what it says. In Hebrews eleven six, and without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. In other words, unless we have faith in Jesus Christ, there is no way we can live up to His standards. We can't please Him. It is only through Jesus Christ. And we have to remember that these people that we come in contact with in the world, they are not held to the same standards. That is like telling somebody at the high school that's on the tennis team that they have to go to football practice. Why? 
They're not on the football team. They don't have to do the same thing that the football team does. Because it's different. They're not held to the same standards. But that's what we want to do as church. Somebody comes in this church. And we want them to be just like us. They're not. That's also one of the problems with some of the churches. Is that they want... They don't want to go out into the the world. They don't want to go out and get people and bring them in because they're not like us. That's true. But that's also not a bad thing because sometimes we need somebody different than us. But they can't meet these qualifications. They can't meet these standards. And we need to stop trying to make them because we have to recognize them for who they are. They are lost. And then we we should look for every opportunity to tell the unbelievers we know that the reason for the hope that is in us, what makes us different? 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. A lot of times, and we hear it a lot, I don't know how to share my testimony. I don't have a good testimony. Listen, a testimony is a simple thing. A testimony is, I was lost until Jesus found me and now I'm saved and He has changed my life. That's a testimony. You don't have to be saved out of the gutter. You don't have to be a prostitute or a drunkard to have a good testimony. Somebody that's raised in church their whole life and got got saved at the age of four has a great testimony. Because regardless if it's this child that's saved in in VBS or somebody that's saved out of the streets, the power of Jesus is the same. And both people went from being an unbeliever, a lost child, to the child of God and the son and daughter of the King. That's the power of Christ. And that is the testimony. But we must be actively involved in the world among us, around us, not isolating ourselves in the pews in a church. So many times we don't want to go out and get people because we're afraid how it may affect our church. But see, in verse 10, again, Paul says this, I did not mean with the immoral people of the world. For, And then goes on and says, For then you would have to go out of the world. See, we're, we're part of this world, whether we like it or not. And when we isolate ourselves from this world, we're not reaching the ones that Jesus has told us to go reach. One of the biggest things we have to realize is that, church, we are not a club for the forgiven. We are supposed to be a rescue mission getting the ones that are hurt and damaged and lost and broken. That's what we're here for. 
We are not meeting together because we are perfect. We are meeting together because we are broken people that we're all messed up. But by the grace of God, we are made perfect in Him. That's why we're here together. And we must realize that. That we have to get out of this place and we have to go out and meet them. We have to get involved with them. How do we treat the unbelievers? Do we shun them or do we get involved? What did Jesus do? He was always criticized for how he associated with people that were seen as being unworthy, wasn't he? The Pharisees and the Sadducees were always saying, well, look at that. He's, he's eating with tax collectors and sinners. They wanted to stone him. They wanted to crucify him because he did not associate with the cream of the crop. Well, you know, Jesus was set up to do that because in the very beginning, when he was born, God didn't send his angels to talk to the kings or share the news with the religious leaders. He went out in the middle field and got, got a hold of a bunch of stinky, dirty shepherds that were living in the field with their animals. And then after they had gone and saw Jesus exactly where, they, where the angels said he was, what, did it say, what does the Scripture say they did? They went around and told everybody what they had seen and everything that the angels told them. They spread the word. It was not the cream of the crop. It was not the elite. It was messed up people, dirty, stinky, that started spreading the, the, birth, the news of the birth of Christ. And Jesus himself did the very same thing. He went to where he was needed. Church, we need to go where we're needed, and we're needed in the world. We must be in the world to reach the unbelievers of the world. Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. We cannot do that without getting out there first. And we must show unbelievers the gospel for what it is. Just like in Acts, where they were teaching that the gospel was not enough, that you had not only Jesus, but you had to follow these other rules. The same stuff is going on even today. Where it's being taught from pulpits all over the world that Jesus is not enough. But what the gospel is, it is the good news that salvation from eternal torment is found in Jesus Christ. How do I know that? Well, first of all, I've experienced it myself. Second off, is that it's in Scripture. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. The gospel in a nutshell right there. But then if you want to take a little trip down a road called the Romans Road, you get to Romans chapter 3, verse 23. 
For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And then Romans 5.8, But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Romans 10.13, For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. We have to show the unbelievers of the world, the ones we come in contact with, what the gospel truly is. And the gospel is the good news that we are saved by grace. The gospel is the fact that Jesus loved us so much that He gave Himself for us. So that we did not get punishment that we deserved. And we still deserve. He took, his, took it for us. And then we must show unbelievers the power and winsomeness of the Gospel. Nothing shows the beauty and power of the Gospel more than a changed life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. We are not the same person. This gentleman I was talking to at the mall, he said, the moment I accept Jesus Christ, and He changed me. I did not want to do the things I used to do. And my friends had a hard time understanding that. I experienced the same thing. The guys I ran away with, the Sunday I got saved, that following Monday, there was a difference. And when I was telling them what had happened to me, they're asking me to go to this nightclub. I had no desire to go to the nightclub. I had been changed. The things that I used to do that I wanted to do, I didn't want to do anymore. There's nothing that speaks to the power of the gospel than seeing a changed life. My dad, Todd can attest to this, my brother, my dad, we never saw him cry. We never showed him show much emotion at all until after he got saved. And now it's a joke that I cry as much as Papaw. Because he cries, especially when he starts talking about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. He will lose it and he will start crying. And he cries for people that don't know him. That is a changed life. The evidence of a changed life is a changed attitude and a changed character. Galatians 5, 22-23 But the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Chad talked about fruits last week in his children's sermon.
when our life is changed, what we produce is changed. And we start producing fruit, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit. It's what the Spirit does in us, and He changes our attitude, He changes our character, and we start becoming different, unnatural. Do we get it right all the time? No, we don't. I know I don't. I mess up. But then you ask forgiveness and you go forward. But we have to show the difference. You guys have heard it said many times. Too many Christians walk around looking like they've been sucking on dill pickle juice and a lemon, especially Sunday after they leave church and go to the restaurant. When you go this afternoon to lunch at Ken and Mary's or the Italian Garden or El Acapulco or the snack shop or wherever you're going to go eat lunch, they're going to know you're coming from church. So how you act and how you treat them that are waiting on you, serving you, how you act toward them, what is that going to say about the changed life? About what Jesus has done in you? Is that going to get, cause them to say, hey, They've got something I want. Or are they going to say, I don't want to have any bit of that person or anything they have to do with? We need to think about those things. We need to show them the power of the, of the Gospel and how it has changed us. Because a changed life should be lived out in front of others. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see the good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. How we live our life in front of people should cause people to praise God and come to know Him. Not push them away from Him. But too many times we think that that if we come to church on Sunday morning and we come to church on, on Wednesday nights and we're here during those times, that the rest of the week we can do what we want and act how we want. What we do outside of these walls speak a lot louder to people around us than what we do inside these walls. Because I want you to understand something, and this is the last point, and we need to get this. Our obedience to the Great Commission, our obedience to the command of Jesus Christ, is dependent on how we treat unbelievers. Do you guys realize that? Our obedience to the command of Christ, the Great Commission, is dependent on how we treat of the unbelievers. Matthew 28, 19-20. Go therefore and make disciples of who? People that are just like us? Of who? 
Come on, you can say it louder now. Of who? All nations. All nations means who? Everybody. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We cannot fulfill the Great Commission unless we treat unbelievers in such a way that it draws them to Christ. You know what that means? That means we have to love them. We have to spend time with them. We have to get to know them. We have to share with them. We have to live with them. That means you may have to be around something that you don't agree with sometimes. Doesn't mean you have to participate. But if you turn your back on them and walk away, what is that saying? I'm not telling you that you don't stand on your biblical convictions. I am not saying that you compromise the commands of Jesus Christ. What I am saying is that sometimes you have to be like Paul where he says, I have become all things to all men that I may do what? Reach as many as possible for Jesus Christ. We have to set the example. We have to live our lives. We have to be the ambassador of Christ, representing Him everywhere. And we need to change our mindset. Our mindset that if they're not like us, we don't want to have anything to do with them. Because i got one question to ask you. Where would you be right now if somebody treated you that way? There is not a person here that is, has not accepted Christ as their Savior that has not been spoken to or loved or prayed for or anything else. Because the fact remains that there's more people going to be get, accept Christ by people going out that are sitting in this pews than are going to come hear me preach. I'm preaching to the choir, so to speak. But you guys... When you leave this place, you're going out into your daily lives. You have to take the Gospel of Jesus Christ with you. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you're scrubbing toilets somewhere. Let me tell you something. Sometimes this is the most miserable jobs in the world that are done with the most joy that bring people to know Christ. Because they see you doing something that's demeaning. They want to know how you're so happy about it. And that opens up a door to tell them about the joy that you have in Jesus Christ. The hope that is in you. So church, I challenge you. How are we supposed to act toward unbelievers? We're supposed to accept them as being unbelievers. We're supposed to love them so much that we don't want them to stay that way. And we have to live out the Gospel in front of them and show them the power of the Gospel and how it can change your life. But once they become a believer, 
We are to help make them disciples. We're not to leave them on their own accord, but we're supposed to teach them how to obey all the commands of Christ. And that's where it kicks in that we're to hold them accountable for the standards. As we teach them what those standards are and we hold them accountable to meet those standards. But we can only do it through Jesus Christ. But up until that time, we just have to love the snot out of them and pray the boogers out of them. Because they need to know Jesus Christ. And it's up to us to do that. So as we sing this song of the invitation, this is your opportunity to do whatever it is God's telling you to do. If He's saying, hey, you need to go call so-and-so, go out and call them. If you need to go across the aisle and hug somebody or talk to them, do it. If you need to come forward and talk to God Himself, you can do that. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, don't leave this place. Come up here. I'll tell, tell you all about Jesus. There are people all over this congregation that would love to spend time with you telling you about Jesus Christ and the difference He can make in your life. Or if you're needing a church home and you think this is where God is leading you, this is the opportunity to take care of that. Whatever it is that God is calling you to do, don't leave this place without doing it while we sing this song. Would you stand as we sing, they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. We are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord. And we pray that all unity may one day be restored. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. We will walk with each other. We will walk hand in hand. We will walk with each other. Together we'll spread the news that God is in our land And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love Thank you for being here today. Don't forget um, to wish Eunice a happy birthday as she leaves today. Um, we do have a short business meeting after, um, but so, uh, Wednesday night, 6.30, Bible study um, for adults and whoever else wants to join us. We're going through the book of Acts here in the sanctuary. Youth and children will be down in the building at 6.30. Please join us then. And um, don't forget the changed Easter schedule for this upcoming Easter on the 17th of April. So we pray that you're able to be with us then also. And uh, Nick is our, 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 uh, chair, our deacon of the week. We'll be dismissing in prayer. At that time, visitors are able to leave. And then Jim will, will begin our, 
our time of business meeting after that. So Nick, would you dismiss us in prayer, please?